John Decker, our own White House correspondent, on this Tuesday morning. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning to you, Jack. Hope you're doing well today. We're doing okay. What are you keying off? A lot going on in in, uh, in Capitol Hill. You have kind of a, what was it, the 1800s, the last time we saw a cabinet secretary, if they go forward here and, you know, look at articles of impeachment on the Homeland Security side. I, I don't think it goes anywhere long term, but certainly a, uh, not a small development. Uh, plus the Middle East, uh, the Biden administration weighing a retaliatory strike uh, after what happened uh, in that remote base in Jordan. Yeah, let's talk first about what's happening here at home in Washington. Uh, You're right. Uh, I think that I see the future, Jack. Let me tell you the future. The future is this. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas will be impeached. He will be acquitted in the Senate, and he will remain the Secretary of Homeland Security. That's the the short story of what we can expect as it relates to uh, this action that is going to be voted on today in the House Homeland Security Committee, two articles of impeachment brought against him. And now let's turn abroad. Uh, and what happened abroad on Sunday, these three American service members killed in this enemy drone attack at a U.S. base in northeast Jordan. Uh, now President Biden weighing what the response should be, what the retaliatory strike should be and where. Uh, and what we heard yesterday from both the Pentagon and the White House, the U.S. will respond at a time and manner of our choosing. And I think that's right. Uh, we, we just don't know what, what that's going to look like this week. No, as I said, I, you know, um, I believe Tehran knew what they were doing when Hamas attacked Israel, Hezbollah, the Red Sea, now this. You know, I know the administration's worried about escalating things with Tehran, and no one wants a bigger war. However, and there might be some movement on a ceasefire between Gaza, in Gaza, between Hamas and uh, Israel. However, uh, you can't coddle a snake like Tehran. I mean, they have to know that we know what they're doing. It's no secret. We knew who was behind this, and I, I don't know how you you, you got to do a pretty significant strike, and it's got to be strategic, and, and it's got to send a message. Oh, absolutely. You do need to do that. You can't let these things go unpunished. You know, think back to what happened in October of uh, 2000 when the USS Cole was attacked. Uh, that was by al-Qaeda. Uh, that was when Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. No reaction, no retaliation for that. And then a year later, we have 9-11. So you really do need to send a message to these bad actors they can't get away with these types of things and what makes it so different well the loss of american lives that's what makes this so different uh than any other of the attacks that we've seen on u.s military personnel or u.s or commercial interests in the red sea and you know john real quickly you know most of us including members in congress we live our lives here we try and do the best we can i don't i don't think you do we don't sit there night and day and think how can we get Tehran how can we how can we in how can we you know kind of hurt them and but in p- folks in Tehran they plan long and hard and they're very patient and all these things we're talking about is have been in the works you know even the Hamas attack in Israel is not spontaneous those tu- those tunnels weren't dug in a month that, that that was a planned everything is planned and we should just know that we're we're in their crosshairs I mean whether you like it or not our ships our servicemen and, and unfortunately hopefully are not our citizens here well, that's right. You spelled it out quite well. Um, but I think uh, I'm comforted by the fact that our intelligence agencies, yeah. they do plan uh, for oh, yes. all types of contingencies in terms of what to do if Iran attacks our military, attacks, attacks our interests. And that's the reason why the president has probably been presented at this point with a variety of options. 
in terms of what the retaliation may yeah. look like. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, our, our folks, the intelligence side, the NSA, they're planning things 10, 20, 30 years from now, are planning for, um, you know, stuff we, we don't even think about. All right, thank you, John. Thanks, Jack. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I haven't been invited to the Federal Reserve meetings over the next few days. I, I'd like to because I bet they have really good breakfasts and lunches and salmon, and they always meet in really good places. Um, and I think they're going to leave the interest rate unchanged and probably look at a March adjustment, lowering it by a quarter of a percentage point. But what do I know? Doug Tengden, our, one of our own economic thinkers, worldwide market perspective on the road on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Jack. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, I think you've got it on the nose. I think uh, even if they don't move in March, they'll set things up so they can move in, not March, then May. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, we, we talked about this a while ago. Put a fork in them. They're done. It, the Fed is done. They, 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 they're done raising rates. They're starting to cut rates. And they're cutting rates because inflation has fallen so, so much quicker than anyone expected. So that's, that's the good news. Yeah, you know, okay, so what else are you seeing? Because I think a lot of people are still kind of getting into the new year and trying to, you know, credit card debt's high. Um, people are still mm-hmm. spending, I get it. We're in that time where you're yeah. not going to see a vigorous real estate market maybe till the spring. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are still trying to figure out, is this it for the next 18 months? Well, what the bad news is the Fed's out, or the uh, Treasuries out there, um, they're going to have to borrow – Seven hundred sixty billion dollars in one quarter. It's a it's a huge amount of money, and and the spending by the government. You've you've highlighted this sometime before, Jack. Spending's out of control. We got a hundred billion more than we had a year ago. That's that's a lot of beer and pretzels. So that that what could what could upset everything is these uh, these these um, borrowing numbers could push. Uh, could push interest rates higher simply because there isn't enough appetite to buy the bonds that the Treasury needs to sell. Yeah. Interesting. What else is catching your eye? I, you know, it's all about it's all about Powell, and it's all about Powell making his announcements on, on Wednesday, and I'll be certainly be tuning in to his, his press conference. A lot of those the, the questions that uh, are asked are planted, and so he looks at his notes and he says, oh, oh, thanks for asking. And they're all right there. I think he's going to signal a dovish tilt and he's going to show that uh, that also the Fed's purchase of or the Fed's quantitative tightening, they call it. The Fed's rolling off their balance sheet. They're done with that as well, because what's happening with all the Fed activity, all the plumbing is getting things kind of jammed up in the uh, in the money markets. I think if they do that, the the the, the uh, market could continue to run here because the Fed is being friendly. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, what else is catching your eye? Anything else? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're coming into earnings season. We're going to see how companies have done over the fourth quarter. Um, big earnings numbers for the Magnificent Seven this week. Uh, that's obviously uh, on everybody's on everybody's radar screen. We will see how Apple announces what what uh, Microsoft does. What Google and Facebook, you know, they're the ones who have been sucking up all the ad revenue. If they continue to grow, then that indicates that the economy continues to grow. And if the economy is growing and we, are, and we aren't seeing more inflation, it's, that's going to redound to everybody's benefit. All right, Doug, I appreciate it. Doug Tangna, Worldwide Market Perspectives, we get going. Thank you, Doug. Jack, you have a great week. Bill Vec.
We gave him a little bit of a break from a week ago. Can you believe, Neil, a week ago today, the primary? Neil Ovec, Director of uh, Institute of Politics, San Anselm College. Great host. Thank you very much, Neil. We enjoyed being there last Tuesday in the morning and night for our election coverage. Good morning. Good morning, Jack. Yeah, a lot of busy period here in the last month or so, and actually in the last year. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of activity at the Institute of Politics and certainly on this show. That Getting Donald Trump on for uh, 20 minutes was pretty good that that morning. Yeah, 15, but pretty close. Yeah, he didn't want to get off. Well, hey, listen, it's on to South Carolina. Before we talk about it, this started coming out of the weekend yesterday. Now, Neil, you and I have talked about this. I guess third-party candidates can make a difference if it's Biden and Trump again, presuming Trump, and I think it's going to be hard to stop if they win South Carolina. Um, they can make a difference, and they can. I mean, I can go to Ross Perot. I can go to some others in time. But this Senator Manchin of West Virginia flirting with, I may, I may challenge Joe Biden. I may run as an independent, moderate Democrat from West Virginia. You know what? I may do it. Now, talk's easy. Could he even get on the ballot? No labels has talked about fielding a candidate after Super Tuesday. Can these candidates even get on the ballot, or is this thing, you know, is it really tough to challenge an incumbent, well, kind of a former, you know, uh, you know really two incumbent presidents, if you follow me? Well, if there was ever a time, it would be now, because if you look at the polls, a lot of people are sort of uh, thinking that if Donald Trump and Biden are the nominees, that they're not going to be happy about it, because there's a lot of people in the middle that say that these people shouldn't be uh, the choices. So here's the mechanics of it. You have 50 states, 50 separate elections, and 50 states where you have to have an organization, maybe lawyers, something that's going to be chewing up resources that gets you on a ballot because each state has their own requirements. And some of them have tough requirements because they want to prevent something like this. Remember, you said Perot, but uh, you know, Ralph Nader ran and uh, took enough votes away, or so it's believed, from Al Gore to prevent him from becoming president of the United States. So in some ways, if you take Perot or Nader, they've been prevented, they've prevented someone who is of like mind from, from gaining the, the presidency. Um, and so I think that to some degree, you don't want to necessarily do that if you're a Democrat, as Manchin is. But running as an independent at this point, remember, the Biden administration has fought Manchin tooth and nail in, since 2020. And Manchin, you can sort of dispute this, but he was right about inflation. He said, you know, if we pass some of these really big bills, which he prevented – we're going to have even more inflation. And, of course, inflation came, and, and then uh, Joe Manchin received a very nice apology from the White House. I'm kidding, of course. Um, but the point is is that Manchin, I've had him here twice speak, and I can tell you that yeah. you just had him this recently, guy is right? talented. You just had him He's recently. very, very well, talented Well, I mean, Lou, Lou Alessandro, a Democrat in New Hampshire, was singing his praises. He went to your, what is a Friday morning Manchin spoke? Yeah, he spoke the Friday before the Tuesday yeah. primary, Yeah, and he's doing this thing called Americans Together. He wants to try to bring Americans together. He hasn't decided if he's going to run for president, but I think if there was ever an opportunity for someone well, like him to be successful, it would be in this period of time. I don't think people vote for a ticket like a yeah. like a no-labels ticket. I think they vote for a person, Right. Well, uh, and this guy may fit that bill. Well, let's stay on this for a moment because it's interesting. 
Um, you you you, fo- you forgot one caveat on one another motivator for him to run. The Biden team screwed him over. Remember when him and Cinema they got their vote in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, and Manchin took heat at home, and then he wanted that pipeline, and he wanted the energy deal, and they said, what? Uh, was that in writing? Um, anyway. Um, the other thing, though, is is the mood of voters. Younger, middle, they're just so disenfranchised with the main choices they're getting. And if it's someone like a Manchin who's different, um, but, you know, moderate, sort of middle ground, he, you're right. He could he could carve up he could carve up some earth there. He certainly could. And so you you know let's take what happened last week. You know you, most people will say, well, Nikki Haley lost New Hampshire. Well, she did. That was the election. That was the outcome. Um, however, a lot of those voters they may not want to vote for Donald Trump in the end. And if they find a spot to land, and it could be Joe Manchin's airport. Uh, that could be trouble for the Republican nominee as well as the Democrat. Well, I, I, I don't um, disagree with you, but it could be real trouble for Joe Biden because the Democrat moderate base would just, you know, they would just say, you know what, we don't want you anyway. I mean, it could be a death nail to you. It could hurt both, but it could really sink Biden. That is true. But if you look at the polls right now, five of the six real key states here, uh, the Republican nominee, either Haley or Trump, defeats Joe Biden. So Joe Biden right now is in trouble. And they're in the White House and they're thinking, oh, we're not in trouble. You know, this is what happens when you're in the bubble of the White House. We don't need to participate in elections. We don't need to. We can, you know, tell people that votes don't count, you know, what they did here in New Hampshire. The point yeah. is, is that if if they don't do something, and I think this border move is is something they're trying to sort of seal up this issue uh if you look at the data right now biden loses yeah interesting all right anything else? now of course before you know it we're going to see this governor's race heat up here right i think underneath it's already been heating up so i think that you're seeing where the democrats have two candidates that they you know there's not a lot of primaries usually in new hampshire with democrats that's what makes this interesting. A lot of people are sort of excited about it. And uh, and I think, it, you know, it's sort of at this point, it's an activist collection and a money collection game. And to see who can get this stuff, uh, try to get some earned media if you can. Uh, and, and, and it's sort of a pregame. And they're both pretty active with it. And the Republicans, the same thing. So uh, it's... It, I think we're, this race, because we don't have a U.S. Senate race, right? So this is our only game in town. For, for junkies like us, you know, we're not like J-Dog. We can't, we can't watch uh, sports all weekend long. We have to have a political election to be talking about. All right, Neil, get some rest. Thank you very much. Neil Ovec, Institute of Politics. <laughs> Wonderful rest. facility. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, um, we uh, <laughs> Aaron Real, we've seen his radio national correspondent back. Had fun with Jason talking some big game and football and Vegas and food and all the entertainment. But Aaron gets back to the news side of things. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing okay. Just a little bit of a head cold, but you know how that goes. What, what do you have cooking this morning? So, if you want some real news, we have spent ten minutes not discussing. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. So time's up. We need to return to that. 
<laughs> I know this is kind of uh, incredible. But I, know, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it's nauseating, but apparently, um, it, obviously, we know that she brought in well over three hundred million for the NFL this year. Brought in a demographic to the National Football League that otherwise would have zero interest in it. But now, the aeronautics industry is keen to get on board with the stardust that is Taylor Swift. They are introducing flights from the host cities to the Super Bowl from this host city, which is Las Vegas to the hometown teams, whether it's Kansas City or San Francisco, that have a nod to both Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Um, American added two flights of the number 1989, which any Swifty will tell you is Taylor's birth year, arguably her most popular album. Those are going to leave from Kansas City going to Vegas on Friday, February 9th, and then Saturday the 10th. And then the return flight is flight 87, Kelsey's jersey number, and then San Francisco, lest we forget, they are playing as well. They're including a flight on United that is uh, 1995. That's the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl. I didn't know this, Jack, but apparently airlines commonly add special flights for Super Bowl host cities and fans traveling to and from the game. Uh, are you? What do you think about the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey enthusiasm? Does it infuriate you or just total well, indifference? Okay, that's a good question. I appreciate it because J-Dog and I have talked about it. J-Dog, you were right, by the way. The NFL is getting their dream come true, having the Chiefs with her and this. And it, I think overall, you're right, it's brought a whole new focus on the game beyond football, and I know how big and successful she is. At the same time, it's, it's, getting, it's just getting so old already to me, but I understand that it's not over yet. It's huge. It is huge. It's rather remarkable. Her success is off, uh, you know, it's beyond this. It's beyond comprehension. At the same time, the smaller example, but uh, it's a, I'm sorry for the longer answer, a smaller example of what a lot of people felt about the New England Patriots for many, many years. Maybe, well, you're a Connecticut person, so you may not, but the people in Dallas and Philadelphia, New York, seeing Tom Brady win, 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 like Mahomes, and Gronk, like Kelsey, catch the ball, and Giselle, the supermodel wife, <laughs> you know, of Tom Brady in the stands, jumping up and down with Bon Jovi and Robert Kraft. I'm sure that got really old. In a lot of cities. So, you know what? It is what it is. She's huge. J-Dog, you said this. You said this, J-Dog, that this is a marketing bonanza for the National Football League. It is. So, I guess you can't stop it, Aaron. No, you can't stop it. And she's having a moment right now. And frankly, I, I always say this, like, they're, haters going to hate. They're going to be annoyed with her. But the fact of the matter is, she's like, and this isn't an insult, she's kind of innocuous. Like, she doesn't say anything insane. Like, she's a pretty talented young woman who's having a moment and dating potentially a Super Bowl winner. Like, it, it's kind of... It is storybook. Also, she didn't, yeah. yeah, it's storybook. And she didn't go to high school. I don't know if there's some sort of, like, you know, high school fantasy being played out. Whatever it is, we're all enjoying it. And uh, if you're a super huge football fan and it's bugging you... Don't worry. Like everything else, it'll end eventually. <laughs> I mean, she's a, she's probably J Dog, right? Is the biggest sensation, bigger than anything we've ever seen. I mean, the biggest pop star yeah. on the planet right now, without without even question. She might be the biggest star of the century. I mean, I remember, that's how big. She I remember is. once when Tiger Woods was dominating the golf world, and someone said to me, he could go to Tokyo, Japan. He go any. He's probably one of those recognizable people on Earth when he was like, you know, when he was in his on the run there. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And the, Taylor Swift, same thing. She go to any country in the world. Mm-hmm. Biggest city, smallest city. She'll. If she, she goes to Prague, yeah. If she goes to, if she goes to Istanbul, she's going to cause. If she stays in a hotel, there's going to be a commotion. Absolutely. Everyone there is going to say, "Oh, I yep. know who she is." Taylor yeah. Swift's there. Let's take pictures. <laughs> yeah. All right. For Aaron. sure. I 
especially I think like your the Tiger Woods Taylor Swift example you just gave really kind of illustrates the crossover and like the the global appeal of sports and music. Everything is right. so tainted, whether it be you know, they, and not everyone is famous everywhere, but sports and music, boy, it's a language we all speak. It sure is. Thank you, Aaron. Good stuff. Fun stuff. Good. Good to take a break. Thank you, Aaron Rial. <laughs> Alicia Preston's Anthopolis reports and talks for Seacoast Online. And uh, APX joins us live. Good morning, Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Give us a live. Are, is the uh, slipping and sliding stopping out there? No, but you mean the traffic? Yeah. No, it's fine. The roads seem clear so far. Good. Well, good. You About an hour and a half ago, you would have been at a standstill. I know. I was watching the news, wondering if I'm going to be able to make it. Okay. <laughs> but all good now, so far. Okay, where do you want to start? Super Bowl or politics or both? You give it to me. I watched both of the games and uh, this weekend, and I think it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl. You know, I, I am sad whenever the Patriots aren't in the playoffs because that's my team. But now that we've got these two teams, I base the team I'm going to choose on the culinary foods of the region. So I'm going Kansas City because I love barbecue. <laughs> and you can't escape you can't escape the Taylor Swift factor. It's huge. I mean, we just had Aaron Rial, have you seen his radio national correspondent talking about it? You know, I'm the kind of person who if I'm a fan and I see someone, I'm not I don't think it's rude to ask them for an autograph or a selfie. I think they make a lot of money based on us wanting to get pictures with them. But I do think this Taylor Swift obsession stuff has gone a little too far. I mean, they're now asking her, you know, I saw a report they wanted to know how she felt about those three guys that died after the previous Kansas City game. Like, it's just kind of getting weird, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's weird. But but you know what? It's 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 unavoidable. I mean, I, I even heard, I even saw a story this morning on ABC News, you know, is Biden going to get Taylor Swift's endorsement? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not, he I'm did not in 20. <laughs> yeah. But look at the impact she's had on the game. J-Dog and Aaron was talking about it. You know, a whole new group of fans tuning in that might not have been watching the game. And it's rather unavoidable. I mean, it's, it's, she's the biggest pop star on earth by far. She is. And, you know, it's un- I mean, I guess you're right. It's unavoidable. If it brings me a viewership to the NFL, go, you know, that's fine. I just kind of feel badly for her. And I think this whole, there's like this whole Twitter boycott the Super Bowl moment. And I had to inquire, okay, why are we boycotting the Super Bowl? And it's because the one of the players' girlfriends supports Biden. And I'm like, I now have to look at not only the politics of all the players, but of their partners and spouses. And if it doesn't align with me, I'm going to boycott the Super Bowl. I think it's gone really silly at this point. <laughs> we will see. We will see. All right, let's... Yeah. Um... Where do we go? Where do we go? I mean, do you think this? Uh, do you think there's any validity to Joe Manchin of West Virginia seriously thinking about possibly running as an independent, the moderate Democrat, or not? I think they're calculating it and they're seeing it, and you know, I'm not sure who that helps. Whether that would help Trump or whether that would help Biden, um, I don't think it's a winnable formula. I don't think a third party at this point in the country right now, even Joe Manchin, who I respect. I don't think no, that's the no, way. but uh, no, but Alicia, it could it could cost one of the other two of the election. Well, that's the thing. That's what I think it would do. And you know, I've been trying to calculate who does it help more. I think if Mansions in the top of the ticket, I think that helps Trump more. Yeah, um, I you agree. Know, be, 
Well, you know why? He's not popular even among his own people. You are exactly, exactly right. Trump's numbers don't move. You know, Manchin runs or not. Right. Biden's numbers could move a lot. A lot of the disenfranchised Democrats and independents could vote for Manchin in a second compared to Joe Biden and, and the ticket. I'm just telling you, that it would really hurt. I think it would be, in, I think it would be worse than Ross Perot, the Bush senior, against Bill Clinton. I think you're right, and the irony there is the no labels, which I presume is who would be backing the ticket, their motivation is to not have Trump be president. And this kind of would do the opposite of what their goal is, which I'm not sure what they're calculating there. Well, no, I don't want to think. If they're serious, get off the sideline, get in this game quickly, because if you want to be on the ballots and be a player, they, they think they can wait. I don't, I don't agree with that myself. All right, I and, agree with you. And, anything else catching your eye? I don't want to take your distracted driving. I don't want to be, you know... No, it's been kind of a, it's a short week so far, heading to Concord, and, uh, you know, realizing maybe six more weeks when we can get rid of this crappy weather. <laughs> All right, Alicia Preston's Anthopolis APX, Seacoast Online. Uh, what's the best way to get your stuff, just Seacoast Online? or You can always look it up at Seacoast Online. If someone wants to contact me, you can email me at PrestonPerspective at gmail.com. I'm always looking for topic ideas and things people want to hear about. Good stuff. Thank you, Alicia. Have a great day, Jack. Rory O'Neill sees it. He lives in Florida, where I can't wait to get to. NBC News Radio National Correspondent on this uh, Tuesday morning. Rory, take it away. Hey, Jack. Good morning. You know, we've seen these stories and these headlines these past 72 hours or so about the spread of deep fake images and videos involving Taylor Swift. It's all very unfortunate completely manufactured stuff, but it does raise the bigger question about the spread of artificial intelligence and what it is capable of doing. You know, in addition to the Taylor Swift porn videos, well, don't forget last week, just one week ago, there were the tapes of uh, former President Biden completely made up about him making a phone call telling people not to cast a ballot in the New Hampshire primary. Even comic routines by the late George yeah. Carlin are completely fabricated these days, and his lawyers are trying to stop the spread. We've got some tech execs on Capitol Hill tomorrow. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, that happened. That Those calls happened in New Hampshire, and it sounded like Biden, but it's all AI. And that's why, you know, go back to the Hollywood strike. Some actors I know said the same thing that could happen. They could take their image, their voice, and their face and make a movie without them getting compensated. It's that brave new world out there and the laws aren't keeping up and people really don't have a solution for this. No one's proposing a way to fix it all because the social media platforms are protected. They're just letting, they're just sharing the stuff. It's the users who they're trying to target, but good luck finding them in some basement in Malaysia. And you know, the amazing thing on this stuff, Rory, because it can do some things that you and I even are doing, probably not the spontaneous commentary observations, but news um, I have a buddy, an author friend, and when, if you're, I don't know, by the way, I know you did travel around the world one year, took it off, but seriously, no. have you ever written a book? Written one? No. Well, when you do, and by the way, it is a bigger undertaking than you think, because um, nothing's easy, and you know that. But one of the right. things that your publisher will tell you if you get published, that's if you get even get you know edited and published, but say you got published, and the, the books I had written, um, but it's still in play a little bit, uh, or are uh, off the record, but movie thing. Um, can you do an audio book? And you're like, you know, I wrote this thing. I don't know if I can read my own writing, you know, for 300 pages. So, but they want you to do the audio book and it's a lot of work. So, so an author friend of mine said, you know what? 
there's some software, and I don't know if it's compatible to audio, where you can sort of train the AI on your voice, like right now, for like a half hour. They call them like, you know, run-throughs. And then put the text onto the software with your recorded voice. And within 10 minutes, like a 350-page book, audiobook is done with your voice like you read every word. Yeah, the stuff it can do is unbelievable, and it's only going to be coming. The other issue, too, flip the coin. How do we make sure that the stuff we do that is legit and is the truth, how do we communicate that this has been verified information? That's the struggle on the other end of this. Well, think of, like, the bad guys, because what I always worry about, but, again, I watch probably too many CIA-type things in movies, Ah. but what I worry about is some bad guys get an AI news report in a major city, they can cause a scare on a false news report that an explosion has happened or whatever. All of a sudden, the traffic, people go nuts. There, You know what I'm saying? You can really cause some mayhem. Yeah, with some software that's available to everyone now in a couple hours in, uh, online, and this, this stuff can be out there. It's dangerous. All right, Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio National. Thanks for the extended time. Sure. Thanks, Jack.